God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God for his love. Thankful today that God loves us. He died for us not because we were righteous. <laughs> he died for us. He loved us when we were sinners. And I praise the Lord for that. Thank you for that song, J.D. God's love truly is wondrous. I want you to take your Bibles this morning. If you would, turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. A few weeks ago, we began a new series, How to Live a Life that God Can Bless. I truly want God's blessing on my life. I want God to be able to bless me this year. And this, this series we're looking at, we're looking here in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. God wants to bless your life. God wants you to have a happy life. We're talking about blessed. It's talking about true happiness, being blessed by God, having a truly happy life. The world cannot bring true happiness. The things of this world cannot give you what we're talking about, we talk about having the blessed life. But God wants to give it to us. There are promises that we see in the Word of God, and some of the things we're looking at here, they're contingent upon a decision that we make. For God to bless us, we have to do what He says that we should do. Um, there are a lot of promises like that in the Bible. I can think of the one we just talked about. God does love us unconditionally, but for us to have everlasting life... For us to go to heaven, we have to, there's a conditional promise, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a matter of believing in our heart, trusting in Christ, calling and accepting Christ as our Savior, then God gives us that gift of everlasting life. It's contingent upon a repentant heart, believing and trusting. And so it's a decision that we have to make. I would definitely say that's the very first step for a person to have a blessed life that God wants to bless. Not everybody in the world has that. They have to make a decision to choose to receive Christ or to reject it. We see that all the way back in the Garden of Eden. You have soul liberty, a choice to choose whether you're going to obey God or disobey God, receive God's word or disobey God's word. The same thing is true when it comes to the Christian life. It doesn't just stop. Now, we'll never have to make a decision again whether to trust in Christ as our Savior. If you're a child of God today, you're always going to be a child of God. Praise God for that. But we do make a decision. In our life daily, whether we're not going to obey the word of God and let God bless us as a result of our obedience. It's a decision that you've got to make. And this year, we're beginning a new year, we're getting ready to go into February, but we started this, this series really kicking off the new year, looking at how God wants to bless us and how we can allow God to bless us. And so how we live a life that God can bless is the theme of this. And today we're looking specifically at the challenge to extend mercy. Mercy, a great word. We sang some songs today talking about mercy. You know, mercy is a main theme in the Bible. One of the main themes you see in the Bible is mercy. You see it all throughout. I mean, like I said, back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they disobeyed God at that exact moment, God could have just wiped them out at that moment. What did they deserve with disobeying God and eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What did they deserve? Death. But God showed his mercy, the innocent dying for the guilty. God set the example there, and God allowed them to have the ability to be able to live their life. Now, obviously, there's a major thing that sin caused, but God had a plan in place. He knew that they would sin, and we see a theme throughout the Old Testament. You can see it again and again and again. You see it with Noah. 
You see it again with God's children and the children of Israel. I love Psalms where it's all about mercy. One great verse, Psalm 116, verse 5 says this, Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. God is merciful. We see it again and again all through the Psalms and through the Old Testament. We see it with the children of Israel. We're talking about it in Amos and how God was so merciful to them. God gave them chance after chance after chance. But you know, it's not just a theme of the Old Testament. You find it in the New Testament as well. The theme of mercy is intertwined throughout all the New Testament. But you know, there's a little bit of a twist that you see in the New Testament. You see there's a little extra twist, and it's the word us. And you see it in uh, Jesus when he spoke in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 36. He said this. Luke chapter 6 and verse 36. He said, go ahead and put it up there if you would. It's not there. There. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. It's an opportunity for me to show mercy on this. Now, either I messed up, didn't put it in there, or it's not there. None of those verses that I just said are there? My fault. Sorry, guys. But it says, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father is also merciful. So we see a twist now. We see the Old Testament talks about mercy, talks about mercy. And of course, there were some, there were some things that would have talked about being merciful to others. We know that in God's law. But here we see now a connection with God's mercy to us now, showing mercy, be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Now that is, that is an extremely challenging verse for me. Now you think about what it's saying. Be ye merciful as God is merciful to you. How merciful is God to you? Yet Christ is telling us that we ought to be that merciful. That's a challenge to me. Once again, like I said, the New Testament continues with the mercies of God. But once again, to believers, the challenge to us is that we ought to extend the mercies just like our Heavenly Father extends mercy to people. But here's the bad news. If we're told in God's word to extend mercy to others like our Heavenly Father extends mercies to us, it means that people are going to hurt us just like we hurt Jesus with our sin. Wrap your mind around that. You see, our sin didn't just make God upset because we disobeyed Him. Our sin cost God. It cost God His life, His Son's life cost Jesus Christ everything. And yet he's merciful. Merciful. And if we're going to extend that same mercy, that means there's people going to hurt us just like we hurt him. None of us are going to be immune from being hurt by someone in this room. Every one of us, there's times when somebody hurts us. Every one of you carry hurts from the past. Things that people have done to you, that raw feeling of hurt, perhaps you still carry. It might have been something that happened this week or even today. You've been hurt. So here's the challenge. Someone has hurt us and we know that we should extend mercy to that person, but we have a hard time in our hearts finding mercy. Am I the only one that struggles with that? Somebody's hurt us? I know I'm supposed to be merciful to them, but man, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Mercy. 
By the way, when we talk about mercy, we mean that the person or persons deserve something for the pain that they caused us. They've done something to hurt us, and they deserve something in return for the pain, but we choose not to give them what they deserve. Once again, let's be honest. It's hard sometimes to find the mercy that we need to show to them. And so this morning, it's my hope as we look at our scripture here today, this passage of scripture once again, that we'll be able to discover and be challenged by why it's hard and why we should extend mercy. Let's all stand up. Look there, if you would, Matthew chapter 5, as we read the word of God. Let's stand. Matthew chapter 5, if you would. Look at verse number 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Once again, verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for being merciful to us, for loving us even though we're sinners. Lord, I pray that we would be honest today with ourselves. Lord, I pray you'd challenge our hearts. Lord, perhaps I pray that you'd open our eyes today. There might be areas in our life we don't even realize that we need, we need to repent. We need more mercy. We need to obey your word. And Lord, I know there's things that have hurt every one of us. There's some that are here this morning that carry deep pain from past harm, hurt, hurtful words, hurtful things. Lord, I pray that we would be merciful. Lord, that we would learn today and be challenged today. Lord, perhaps there needs to be some here today that hits the reset and goes back to where they know they were or need to be. Lord, challenge our hearts today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to just very quickly this morning, four simple things that will challenge us to understand why sometimes it's hard for us to be merciful. I think sometimes for us to understand why we need to be merciful, we say, well, I'm merciful. Sometimes we, if we're challenged with why, sometimes we trip over being merciful. It will help us to identify that in our life. And the first one is this. When I fail to extend mercy to another, sometimes it's because I don't want to take justice out of my hands and put it in God's hands. I don't want to take justice out of my hand and give it to God for God to be the one that, that brings justice. You know, in the Old Testament, we see a, a, a prime example of this. I want you to take your Bible and turn back, if you would, to Jonah. Jonah. Look at Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. To anybody that should be upset, it should have been the Israelites when it came to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians had done great atrocities to the children of Israel. 
They had done things that were horrific. I mean, the things that are going on right now in the Ukraine, nothing compared to what was going on the Assyrians had done to people there in, in Israel. The bondage they'd put them in, the torment that they had done. They, they were known for doing all kinds of crazy things when they would take captives and what they would do and mutilating bodies and, and making a display and the, just the horrific things that they did. And so if you had, I mean, if you had in your heart a patriotism for your country, you would hate the Assyrians. It would be a natural thing for you to hate them. And then to go to Nineveh, the capital city, the one that was the capital of this horrific empire that had caused such harm to your country. I mean, you can understand it. You know, if, uh, last week, speaking about um, doc, uh, Dr. Seuss and talking about how the fact that he wrote those cartoons about the Japanese. And, you know, you look at some of the propaganda that comes out in world wars when you go to war and they try to dehumanize the people. I'll tell you what, some of the things that, that uh, we understand when we've gone to war, and even we have to be careful even with this one, with the Muslims. In my lifetime, some of the things that they've done and the dehumanizing of them and the, the regular people and the children, the people, and having, look, imagine how they must have felt. This was raw. This was something that, man, it put a lot of hatred inside their hearts. Jonah did not want to take justice out of his hands and give it to God for God to be the one that's going to judge. You know Why? Because Jonah knew that God is a merciful God. That God is one that was giving an opportunity by the fact that he was sending him there. He was giving them an opportunity to repent and he didn't want them to repent. He wanted God's judgment to come down upon them. And so he didn't even want to go there. He didn't want to take his own judgment and lack of mercy in his own heart and give it to God. And notice here, if you would, in Jonah chapter 3, look at verse number 10. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. They repented. This is after the story. Obviously, Jonah goes there against his own will. He ends up there. He preaches the message that God had told him. The people repent, and God shows the fact that he is merciful. Look at the next verse, verse number 1. But I displeased it, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very, what does it say? Angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. You think about the audacity of what he's saying here. God, that's why I didn't want to go, because I knew what you might do. Oh, wow. Remember I said that before I rebelled against you and wouldn't go? Now let's bring that down to our level. You see, we want the person or persons who have hurt us, we want them to pay. We want them to hurt for the hurt they brought on us. We want to bring the judgment down on them. We want them to have, man, what's due unto them. We want them to pay. And if we show mercy, we're telling God, God, you handle this. God, you take care of this situation. God, you do what you think is best. God, I'm going to show mercy and I'm going to take my hands off and I'm going to back away and I'm going to let you decide. And it's so hard for us to do that because we've been wronged. 
We've been hurt. And so sadly, oftentimes we know that God is merciful and that God may not give them what you think they deserve. And you think that God might let them off easy. And so we don't extend mercy. Why? Because we want them to pay. We withhold our mercy because we want to make sure they pay for the hurt that they inflicted on us. By the way, let me just say a side note. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Why am I saying that? Because God is keeping track of, and God knows when a person does something. And God, yes, he is merciful to those who repent. But those that will not repent, they're going to receive the recompense of their reward. They're going to receive the judgment of God. And yet somehow we think that we can do a better job in making sure that justice is enforced or taken into account. We need to remember that God is the one that tells us to be merciful. That God, yes, he is merciful. And we need to let God be the one that makes that decision. Our job is to be merciful. Our job is to do what God has commanded us to do, is to be merciful. Secondly, when I fail to extend mercy to others, sometimes it's because I'm listening to other people who are telling me to get even with that person. People saying, you ought to get back at them. Can you imagine what they did to you? Listen, you need to, you need to go back and tell them. I mean, you need to tell them off. You need to go back, whatever it is, fill in the blanks. I know this is true. I've seen it happen in my own life, but I also see it even in the Bible. I can think of several examples. How about Saul? How about David? Here's David. He has an opportunity. David, I mean, listen, Saul tried to kill him. He tried to kill him with a javelin. He tried to kill him by having his armies come after him. What did David do? David did nothing wrong. David had done everything right. David had done nothing but be faithful to God, faithful to his country. And yet now David is on the run. Saul is after him. Saul is now in a place of, of being uh, uh, literally in a place where David could come and take his life. His men are saying to him, what? No, don't do it, David. That's God's anointed. Don't do it. No, that's not what they were saying at all. His men were saying, David, here's your chance. Go take his life. Go kill him. He deserves it. Look what he's done to you. That horrible king. Listen, he doesn't trust in God. He's turned away from God. God's hand and anointment is off of him. God is no longer blessing him. You are the anointed king of Israel. You have every right to go kill him. So what does David do? Huh. He says, I'm not going to do anything to harm him. I'm not going to touch his garment. He's the anointed one of God. He was still alive. He's still in that position. It wasn't time yet. And so David, he demonstrated mercy, even when he was being egged on to do otherwise. We see it not, not just that time, another time in David's life. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, there's a story there where the Benjamite, by the name of Shimei, Shimei is a descendant of Saul. And now put it in the picture. Here's David. He's now running for his life once again after being king. His own son has rebelled against him. And now he's on the run. There's been a coup on his kingship. Now he's on the run. He's going through the, the, the area of where Shimeon lived. And, and Shimeon, he begins to throw stones at him. And he's cursing him. He hates David. David had, had been the one responsible, at least that's what Shimeon thought, of taking away the throne from the lineage that he would have been part of. 
And so he's cursing, he's throwing stones at him. And one of his men by the name of Abishai, he says, why are you taking this? Just go, listen, we ought to kill him. I'll tell you what, I'll go over there and take his head off for you. How about that? How did David respond? Well, David said, no, let God deal with that situation. And God, by the way, God did deal with the situation. And so sometimes, listen, if we're not careful, there's so many times that we can be spurred on by what other people are saying. You share a hurt that something that's happened or somebody sees that somebody has hurt you and they say, you ought to do this. Be very careful listening to that kind of advice. I've, I've heard things like that. And there's times I have to be honest with you in the past. I'm talking about younger as a kid. And there's times when you, you'll hear people egg you on and you go and do something and it was the wrong thing to do. We need to go against the grain. David went against the grain. David did not listen to what bad advice was being given to him. We need to be very careful. Sometimes we don't extend mercy to another because somebody's saying they deserve it. You ought to go and take out vengeance on them. Don't listen to them. Thirdly, when I fail to extend mercy to another, sometimes it's because I have these unwritten rules within me as to who is and who is not worthy of mercy. Now stop and think about that for a moment. I've got these rules within me to who's worthy and who's not. I, I think this probably hits most of us. Now if you say, well, not me yet, let's just think about it for a little bit. I want you to think about Peter for a moment. Peter shows us something interesting in the Gospel of Matthew. You see, Peter, he had an unwritten rule within himself that says that it would be generous on his part if he forgave a person who offended him seven times. You remember the story. Where did he get that from? You're not going to find it in the Old Testament. Nowhere are you going to find it in the Old Testament. Likely, he probably got the idea of three times from the rabbis that were teaching. The rabbis would teach. They'd actually go to Amos chapter 1. We were in Amos this morning. But in Amos chapter 1, we see there that God forgave the enemies of Israel, showed mercy, I should say, showed mercy to the, the, the enemies of Israel three times. If you look at the verse at the beginning of Amos, the fourth time, God brought judgment. So three times. And so they grabbed onto that and they said, okay, we should show mercy. And we're, they were teaching people that you only need to show mercy and forgive somebody three times. After that, boy, it's all over. No more mercy. You can go to, I mean, you can get to fight and you can do, you can bring out your own judgment upon them. And so Peter, while he was speaking to Jesus and talking about forgiveness, he thought, I'm going to say seven times. Perhaps he lived by that. Because he thought he'd go above and beyond, go the extra mile. I, I honestly don't know. But I believe when he told Jesus that I'm going to forgive, how many times should we forgive when Jesus asked the question? And he said seven times? <laughs> he thought, well, I'm going above and beyond the three that I've been taught. So Jesus is probably going to think I'm pretty good. What was the response that Jesus gave to him, though? Anybody remember? Seventy times seven being obvious, it's not because you're going to keep track seventy times seven. It means infinite. It means it continually being willing to forgive. Continually being willing to forgive. Not keeping track of the number of times. And if God were here, he would tell us that just as we are to forgive unlimitedly, we are to extend mercy to all. Mercy. Mercy. 
Our problem is that we have an unwritten list of who we will extend mercy to, and we have an unwritten list to whom we will not extend mercy to. You think about it with me for a moment. In a marriage where the husband and wife, things are going well, they love each other, they, they have children perhaps, they love their children. And when it comes to mercy, you say, well, certainly I would extend mercy to my spouse and my children as many times as I need to. Anytime. I mean, listen, my children, there's no way I'm ever not going to extend mercy to them. I love my children. I know I'm going to extend mercy to them. There's no question about that. But you know what? I might have a relative that I'm not very close to that I have an unwritten rule not to show them mercy. My best friend, you might say, well, I, you know what? I'm going to extend mercy to them. Mercy, mercy, mercy. They're my best friend. I love them. I'm so close to them. But that co-worker at work? Boy, that co-worker that, that did me wrong, and perhaps, or is a different color of skin, they're not going to extend mercy. Mercy is very short with them. You say, well, preacher, who are you talking about? I'm talking about a lot of people today that have these lists within them. You might not even realize it, but this list within you where, you man, you'll show mercy to somebody that's in this list over here, but somebody over here, the first time they do it, I'm going to get back at them. And sometimes it matters what kind of money they have. It matters what type of relation they are. It matters what type of position they hold in society. It matters what color skin that they have. Whether we're going to show mercy or not. sad. Having a list of people that we'll show mercy to and people that we won't. Do you have a list? Are there people in your life like that? Would you be willing to ask God to show it to you? Are you willing to be honest with yourself? I think we're all guilty of that at times. Every single one of us. There's people that are on our list that you're just like, nope, no more mercy. I've been guilty of that. That person that hurts you, I'm not going to let them hurt me again. That person that let you down so many times, I'm not showing any more mercy, that's it. Am I the only one? I doubt it. And yet God extends mercy to us. Well, the Bible says we were enemies to him. We're at enmity with God. We are enemies of God. Yet God extended mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy over and over again in my life. You want to talk about a color of skin. You think about who we are. Born in this world, dead in our trespasses and sin. Children of the devil, the Bible says. At enmity with God. But God is so merciful to us. Again and again and again. Can't we get rid of the unwritten list of those whom we will show no mercy? Should we not? Do you even see it? 
lot of it has to do with prejudice. I'm not talking about just color of skin right now either. Prejudging situations based on who it is. God doesn't do that. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you. God is merciful. I know there's going to be an end to that, but that's God's place to judge where and when and how. It's not my place to be the judge and jury and executioner. It's God's place. God wants us to extend mercy. Fourthly, when I fail to extend mercy to another, sometimes it's because I truly don't understand the amount of mercies that I have received. I've alluded to it this whole message. I want to really focus on it now. I really don't understand, I don't appreciate, I don't comprehend how much mercy I've received. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which I, we have done, but according to His mercies He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's because of His mercy that He saves us. Only because of God's mercy. Do any of us deserve God's salvation? Not a one of us. The Bible is so clear that you and I, we deserve hell. The wages of sin is death. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve to know God. I don't deserve to be able to have my sins forgiven. God and His mercy, the, uh, the Heavenly Father sent His Son to die for us, to die for you, to die for me. And now you and I, we're going to spend eternity in heaven. We ought to keep that in the forefront of our mind. And if we'll keep that in the forefront of our mind, the easier it becomes for me to pass mercies to others. Remembering, remembering God's mercy to us. You know, the Bible tells us that we love or we can love because He first loved us. 1 John 4.19 says we love Him because He first loved us. Very simple verse, but it's, there's such truth to that. We love God. Why? Because He loved us first. And I want to say to you this morning, the same thing applies to mercy. The key to extending mercy is to know how much God's mercies have been extended to you. How much has it been that God has been merciful to you? Look back at your life. Look back at your childhood. Look back at the things that you've done in your life. Go back to the thoughts that you've had, the things that you've said, the things that you've done. How merciful has God been to you? Think about your sin and the cost of sin. Think about what separated you from God and the great gulf that was fixed between you and God and how God and His love, He showed His love, He commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died on Calvary's cross to bridge that gap that was between us and God. Why? Yes, because God loves us, but it's, we're not destroyed because God is merciful. Merciful. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn over to Luke chapter 7. 
Luke chapter 7. Look at verse number 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Now think about what's happening here. The one that was forgiven the most was most grateful, most thankful. Which of them will love him the most, most loving? The idea is to this great debt that was paid causes a person to be more grateful or more loving. And Jesus could have also asked the same question this way, which one of them would, that, 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 that would uh, show more mercy because that judge was merciful to him. They owed the debt. The debt was due. They should have pay, made him pay the debt, but instead forgave the debt. Which one was more merciful based on the amount that was, that was forgiven? Simon could have answered the one whom greater mercy was shown. You say, well, you're stretching that. I'm talking about a principle here that is absolutely true in our life. Yes, we ought to show the love of God, but I can tell you this, it's going to be very difficult for us to say that we are showing the love of God when we're not merciful to people. We don't even demonstrate mercy to them. We say that we are, they have the love of God within us, the fruit of the Spirit of love, and yet we don't have mercy. We're missing part of the fruit of the Spirit. Something's wrong. Oh, I love them, but they're going to get what's coming to them. You see the problem? You don't know how they hurt me. No, I don't. But I know we're supposed to be merciful, and I know God is so merciful to us. And I think our problem with being unmerciful to people is we forget how much mercy has been extended to us. Won't you stop and think about how good God has been to you? God has withheld what we deserve. And we could talk about the big picture, and if that doesn't get it for you, listen, it gets my heart when I think about I was headed, dead in my trespasses and sin to hell, and I deserved it because I'm a sinner, and the wages of sin is death. And we think about it from that perspective. That's a horrific thing, something we're thinking about down the road. But you know, it's, just, it's not just going to hell that is unmerciful. Every single day, God is merciful to us. things that we think, there's things that we do. God is so merciful. I mean, just to think about who we are as compared to God, how wretched we are, how low. God is so merciful to us.
And I know it's because he loves us. I understand that there's a connection with the two. But we need to understand that when we understand and try to grasp how merciful God is to us, it'll change the way we look at people, the way we judge people. One of our biggest challenges is we forget how merciful God is to us. We think that we're up here. Well, I'm so good. You don't know that person. Now, some think that. I understand that. Then there's others that, you know, we have to remember that you've tried to, to, to put it into a category of, well, this over here is so bad, then this one here, I'm not showing mercy. And then we have a category over here. It might be a person's name. It might be the type of activity. It might be what they did to you and how much it hurts. And we have to go back to the fact of what we did to the Lord Jesus Christ and what our sin cost him. The debt that you and I have, we could never repay. Never. The debt that you and I owe is way higher than 500 pence. I could never pay my debt. And yet my debt has been wiped out by God. God has wiped my slate clean. God is so merciful to me. wipes that debt, and you know it goes way beyond that. He gives us eternal life. He blesses us every day. He gives us a home in heaven. God is merciful. And so what do you think it looks like to God when we cannot extend mercy as to someone that has hurt us? so merciful to us. Yet we're not going to be merciful to that person. You fill in the blank of who it is. You fill in the blank of what they've done and it has no comparison to what God has done for us. No comparison. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. I need God's mercy. God said that we'll be blessed if we have mercy. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we're so thankful today for loving us and demonstrating your mercy toward us. Every day, Lord, we thank you so much for your mercy. You're so faithful to us. You're long-suffering. Lord, I thank you for allowing us, Lord, to have our sins forgiven, our debt paid for by the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Heaven to look forward to. You bless us again and again and again. Lord, you're so merciful to us. Lord, I pray that we would be merciful. Lord, I pray that we would show mercy to those who have wronged and hurt us. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let me ask you, have you experienced God's mercy? Have you experienced his grace, his love? 
Is there a time and a place in your life when you came to know Christ as your personal Savior and you have no doubt that you're on your way to heaven? You trusted in His Word. You turned away from your sin. You asked God for forgiveness to come into your heart and life. And God forgave you. You accepted that gift of everlasting life. You have no doubt that you're on your way to heaven. If that's you, would you lift your hand up high and say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I've been born again. God bless me. Put your hands down. Perhaps you're here this morning. Do you know Do you know for sure where you're going when you die? Do you have doubts? Do you have fear? What if this was your last day? Where would you spend eternity? Maybe God is speaking to your heart this morning. You don't have that peace of knowing. Listen, God wants you to have that peace. God has been merciful to you. God has given you another day, another moment, another opportunity to trust in Christ. And here's the thing. We have no idea when that last moment in your life, that last time that you have to accept Christ as your Savior comes. Today might be that day for you. You're here this morning. You say, preacher, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I don't have that peace. Listen, could I pray for you? I won't call your name out. I won't embarrass you. But if you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I don't know for sure. Would you slip your hand up? Say, I don't have that peace of knowing that I'm going to heaven. Could I pray for you today? Are you like that today? Christian, is God speaking to your heart this morning? Maybe you didn't even realize you had a list. The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. And there's people that you've been merciful to. And there's people that you have. And it might be that you've been merciful to a lot of people, but there's some you haven't. It might be you're not merciful to anybody. I don't know your heart. But what I do know this is that God says that we are to be merciful as God is merciful to us. And if we want to be blessed by mercy, we have to be merciful to others. Is God speaking to your heart this morning? I mean, there might be some hurt that has been nagging you, some hard thing you've brought, had in your life for some time, and you've never extended mercy by saying, God, I forgive them. Is God speaking to your heart this morning? Would you pray that the Holy Spirit of God would open your eyes to see if that's possible truth in your life? Something you've been carrying and you don't even realize it? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed right now, would you pray and ask God to reveal that to you? that you move in this invitation, Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would show mercy. Be merciful. Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning that don't have the peace of knowing they're on the way to heaven. Lord, I pray that they would come. Trust in you today. 
pray in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed.